Hey everybody, thanks for checking us out again today. I, I want to talk about a subject that I believe is hugely significant in any region or any time, but certainly given the nature of what we're all involved in right now and even some of the lockdown and shutdown that has caused many people obviously not to be able to meet, uh, it gets you to think a little more about what would remain if we were never able to open up our churches again. And I realize that's not going to happen, but it, it's probably a good question to be asking. And I've certainly been asking that about the ministry we're involved in and the things we're involved in in the churches globally and saying, I wonder what it would look like and what needs to adjust and what needs to change. And I'm not talking on those things today, but what I do feel like is we need to come back to the simplicity. There's been a lot of what God's done, I think, in this time and season. As we keep saying, there's been like a reset and there's this uh, re refocusing and making sure we're getting on, realigning our hearts with with what God and what He's doing. And, and so, so I would like to just talk about ministry that matters. And how can we measure? And again, these are just perspectives and thoughts from Scripture. But I'm convinced I have 10 of them. I'm not sure I'll get to all of them. But if, if we take some of these, and none of them are new, but if we seriously not just think or pray, but intentionally build like this, make sure these things are involved. This is the things we're pursuing. These are the things we give in our ministries and lives to. Then I do believe we will. They're measurements or, or, or uh, things to pursue that would make our ministries matter. I don't know about you, but I'm sure you, like me, would, would love our ministries to continue and the impact to continue and, and not end with us or end uh, when we finish in that season. But this ministry should matter and count and change people's lives for eternity. I do believe that's what God wants. I do believe that we should have a great impact in people through generations, through all seasons, that ministry counts, ministry matters. And so I want to highlight some of those. If you've got a Bible, quickly go with me to the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I just want to read the first six verses. And this is Paul writing. He says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? He says, You yourselves are our letter. Written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ. And the result of our ministry, the result of our ministry. See that? There's results. And it's not just like people are coerced. There's a change. We don't need letters of recommendation. Paul's saying, you are our living letters. Let's read on. And he says, you show, verse 3, that you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Verse 5, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. <laughs> It's so good to hear that again, that Paul's highlighting the, the results in a sense and even the fruit of the ministry that he's been involved in. But he comes back to say, we're not competent in ourselves. We can't do this. This is not us. This is what's come from God. I, I think that's so essential, friends, when we're looking at the, the marks of true ministry that matters. We know this. We can do nothing apart from God. It's not us. It's God in us, God through us. And Paul makes that very clear. Verse 6, he says, he has made us competent. He makes us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but it's the spirit that gives life. 
And so there's so many truths in there, so many challenges. But what I do want to highlight is it seems that there was ministry that mattered, that took place from what they were involved in. And you can see that just by him saying it's not about we come with documents. We don't come with, uh, 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 you know, uh, Bible college degrees. We don't come, those are, I'm not saying those things are bad, but they don't qualify us, friends. What does is the ministry. And Paul says there's the testimony. You are our living letters. You're the testimony. You're no longer who you were. There's change. There, there, you knew people. There, and it doesn't come because of our good ministry. It comes because God has called us. He's made us competence of this new covenant and so uh, let me throw out some of these measures of ministry that make us help us understand uh, building ministries that matter what for ministry to matter obviously number one i think this is the most important that jesus christ is the pattern for all ministry i know that people love jesus i know that we talk a lot about jesus but i also want to say we're not to just talk about him and rave about him and preach about him we actually are to model our ministries around Jesus Christ. So much talk today about what would Jesus do? And I understand that. But when we say what would he do? It gives us freedom to do whatever we want because we think he would do that. I want to suggest it's not what would Jesus do? It's what did Jesus do? Let's go back to the Gospels and let's look at how Jesus addressed all issues that we face even today. They're not new. None of the stuff we're facing today is new. But Jesus showed us, patterned. He came and lived and showed us for three and a half years of ministry involved in all the stuff that we see today. And we see how he ministered. We see how he addressed things. We see how he influenced people and how he connected with people. And friends, we've got to come back to patterning our lives and ministries around Jesus Christ. I have many heroes in the faith, I'm sure like you. And I don't think those are bad things. But let's not model our ministries around those people. They're awesome people. No doubt they are champions in the kingdom. But they're not the king of this kingdom. Jesus is. And I think there's a freedom. And I think we'll have guaranteed long-lasting fruit if we model and pattern our ministries around Jesus Christ. I've often said that a good leader knows the way, shows the way, and goes the way. And we need leaders, I've said many times, who are marked by the living presence of Jesus that inspires others to bold faith. It can't be in what we get. It's on who we're modeling our ministries and If we want the world to see Jesus, maybe we need to be more like Jesus. If we want the church to, to, to be the, 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 the body of Christ, then we need to actually present Christ and live like Christ and lead like Christ and get involved with what He did and say what He said. And that to me, friends... I think will guarantee a significant ministry, a ministry that matters, a ministry that lasts regardless of seasons that come and go, making sure that we're about those things. We need example leaders. I keep saying that. We we need servant-hearted leadership. We need submitted leaders who are submitted not just to others, but first and foremost to Jesus. When you live in submission to Him, you actually resemble Him and reflect Him here on this earth. We need leaders in submission. We need leaders who are obsessed, I keep saying, obsessed with Jesus, who are reflecting. We need leaders who are more like Jesus. We need leaders who are following Jesus, and we know that. But here's some clear signs in our ministries that really reflect we are reflect that we are like Christ. Here's some, some clear signs. What about humility? We need humility, I think, in ministry. True, authentic uh, ministry that matters, we need some humility. And I believe when you're more like Christ, when you're Christ-like, when you're patterning your ministry around Jesus, you are humble. Christ-like leaders reject prideful posturing. We know this. And we give preference to humility, humble, empowering leadership for others. You want your ministry to last? Empower others into what God's called them to do. And that comes 
from humility. Service is another clear way that we are patterning our lives around Jesus. In other words, we're actually serving people, and I'll address that later on. Uh, courage. My friends, we need such courage in a season like this, and in all seasons. And for ministry to really matter, we need to be a courageous leadership, a courageous people. But that doesn't come from us adding things on and tagging and reading more books. I think it's being courageous is a sign and a fruit that we're patterning our lives and our ministries around Jesus. And we're connecting with Jesus, because the more I connect with Him, the more courageous I become. And we get on with pleasing Him, not pleasing people. And obviously, boldness is another thing that comes from this revelation. And so... I just want to, again, state the obvious. But if you want the ministry you're involved in to matter long, be, long after you're gone, then I do believe let's pattern our lives and ministries. Let Jesus be the model, the pattern. Learn from everyone, of course, and find your way in this. But let's imagine the church today globally to pattern their ministry. Imagine leaders globally patterning their leadership and ministry around Jesus. Man, we would have a greater effect, I believe. And I'm certainly trying to pursue this because I want ministry that I'm involved in to matter because I don't want to give my life to something that ends when I end. And so I trust that is inspiring for you. And I think if you look at the leadership of Jesus uh, or ministry of Jesus, he was loyal to someone else. There was this ability to be loyal to another and that was his father. And I think if we patterning our ministries around Christ, we realize that we're loyal to him. It's not about our thing, it's about His. And Jesus made that clear. He was loyal to His Father's mandate. In John chapter 6, in verse 38, He says, For I have not come down from heaven, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. He, he served His Father's mandate. We who are uh, counting, uh, wanting our ministries to count and matter, we're serving someone else's mandate. This is His mission, not ours. And I think that's helpful. Also about Jesus' message. I love this. He, he, he was faithful and loyal to His Father in the message that He spoke. In John chapter 7, verse 16 to 18, Jesus says, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak it on my own. Whoever speaks on their own, look at this in verse 18, does so to gain personal glory. Wow. We're speaking on our own. We're doing it for personal glory. But he says, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. And so, again, Jesus was faithful to his father, loyal to his father's mission, mandate. I'm not here to serve my will. I'm here to serve the will of my father is what he said. And the message I carry, not my message. I'm not teaching on my own. It's a message I've been entrusted with. That's something I think, friends, that will help us as we pattern our lives and ministries around Jesus Christ. So study the obvious, but I think that's the most important truth here. If we're going to have a ministry that matters, pattern Jesus Christ, not a man, not a great ministry of old. Jesus should be the pattern that we are modeling our ministries and lives from and through. The next thing uh, I want to say is that the Holy Spirit, obviously, the Holy Spirit is the power of all ministry. And I, I know we all have different understandings and different kind of upbringings around the, who the Holy Spirit is and that. Uh, and I'm not here to arm wrestle any of that. All I'm saying is that the, you think we can minister and have a ministry that matters and lasts, Without the Holy Spirit, you're understanding nothing of what we just read. Because Paul was saying, it's not our great ministry. It's we've been empowered and entrusted. And, and it's He makes us competent for lives 
to be transformed. And so we really do, friends, need to work this through. I challenge you to, to get revelation on this and work out what you truly believe, but through the lenses of Scripture. Not what others say, not we've had bad experiences or good experiences. Or it, it, While we do experience the Holy Spirit, absolutely, He's not limited to a Holy Spirit. Uh, an experience. He actually is God. He's not an optional extra. I know you, we know this, but I'm asking in reality of ministry and life, is, G, is the Holy Spirit an add-on or a tag-on? Are we about Jesus? Are we about God and not the Holy Spirit? We need to be about all three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I love how it's been presented that God, what God planned for us. Uh, someone said Jesus purchased for us and the Holy Spirit actually personalizes that for us. And so the need for the Holy Spirit, friends, He's not an optional extra. He is God. And we need to surrender and submit to Him. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. He's Christ in us, in a sense. And we need to understand the need for that. And I, I want to say the Holy Spirit is not a blessing from God. Remember that He is God. It was A.W. Tozer, as we all quote many, many years ago, who said, if God was to remove the Holy Spirit from the church today, most of what the church is doing would carry on and not even know the difference. And I think that's tragic. But even more tragic, he goes on and says, but if God was to remove the Holy Spirit from the early church, most of what the early church was doing would stop and everyone would know the difference. And so, friends, we can't function without the Holy Spirit. He is the power of all ministry. And if we want ministry to, to last and ministry to matter, we need to engage again and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, and to use us for what it is he's called. In preaching, the Holy Spirit is necessary. T.L. Osborne said, Only the power of a living Christ proclaimed in a demonstration of the Holy Spirit can meet the urgent needs of humanity. We can't operate. We can't even convince. We're not, Paul said, I don't come with wise and, wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of power. Why? So people's faith doesn't rest on me as a man or my words, but on the King and His kingdom, the, Holy, uh, the, the revelation of who God is. And so, friends, I know you know this, but I'm asking if we're serious about ministry that matters, we need to understand again the need for the Holy Spirit in our preaching, in our planning. So many of us plan so many things in life and in ministry, and it's good to do that. But if we're not being led by the Spirit, not keeping in step with the Spirit, we're not going to have ministries that last. We're not going to have ministry that matters. We're going to have great God, man ideas, but no God. And we've got to go back to God. This is His church, His people. And I, I really do believe in a season like this, we need to hear God and we need to be led and keep in step by the Spirit, with the Spirit. He leads us. He shows us. He reveals we need to be planning. We need to be praying. The Holy Spirit helps us in prayer. Romans 8.26. When we don't know what to pray, it's the Holy Spirit who helps us. So even He's needed in our prayer life, in our personal lives. Being holy and all the stuff that we need to be, friends, it's not something we can put on. It's something the Holy Spirit releases in us and through us. And I do believe He's involved in everyday life with us. And obviously in power. Uh, we need Him in, our, in power. So just again, to highlight, there's a whole lot of teaching around this, but I want to just say to you, friends, we've got to come to realize what the Scripture teaches about the Holy Spirit, what the Bible says, not what our upbringing has been or what we don't like or dislike. Let's go back to Scripture and say we cannot function in any ministry whatsoever, true ministry, if the Holy Spirit is not the one who is empowering us. The power of all ministry that matters is the Holy Spirit. The next thing I want to say is, is the Word of God. And prayer are our practices or our tools for all ministry. The Word of God and prayer. 
Some love the word of God and pray not. Others pray and don't like the word of God. But I want to say we've got to give ourselves. Those are the tools or the practices that we've been entrusted with. And if we function with those truths, those tools, we will have a long-lasting ministry. We will have the impact we so desire. Even now, I watch people now presenting opinions and talking. Opinions divide, friends. No, opinions don't change people's hearts. It's the Word of God that changes people's hearts. We know that. And it's also we need to be praying. And so just to, let me say a few things about the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Your Word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. I love that because what it's simply saying is, it's settled in heaven and eternity forever. And if that is true, then it's settled here on earth forever. And we don't debate it and change it and die. Friends, it's the word of God doesn't change. He's not changing it. It's eternal. It's needed, necessary right now. And our role, our position, if we want ministry that matters, we've got to engage through scripture. We've got to look through the lenses of scripture. The decisions we make, the things we highlight, the things we minister and preach must be what the Word of God says. That's our standard for all everyday life and ministry. And, and that's got to be our filter. I know we know this, but I don't know if we always go to Scripture. We usually go to others who agree with us. We present truths. We present opinions. And I'm telling you, friends, I think it's killing the church and it's destroying our ministries if it's not the Word of God. The Word of God brings life and healing and wholeness to people around us. I've said this, that when doctrine and truth are abandoned, and the authority of Scripture is denied. You know what? We don't get a liberal Christianity. We get a whole new religion that's perverted by man. And the downside of all of that is it actually attacks the supremacy of Jesus. And ultimately, it, it discourages the authority of God. And when you take away sovereignty of Jesus and authority of God, friends, we are in serious trouble. And you see that today when people aren't going back to Scripture and reading and heeding to what it is God has said. The Word of God has to be foundational in our lives and in our ministries. And that's the grid for which we see everything else. And I think we've got to keep settling in this biblical model before we get into the cultural model. Because friends, if it's a culture first, we're going to miss the scriptures. And really, maybe have a, have, have, have a voice into society, but we're not going to have a lasting ministry that's going to have an impact for eternity. So let's come back to scripture. Let's read through scripture. Let's take people back there. Uh, when there are issues in the church or in people's lives, don't tell them what you would do. Tell them what the Bible tells them. Let's go back to it. Don't say the Bible says. Let's read it together and show people what God says and what the Bible. The Bible's pretty clear about a lot of the things we're facing today. You know, we live in a world that is deceptive and people need to hear the truth. And, and, and the Word of God, Psalm 119, verse 43, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, 2 Timothy 2, verse 5, tells us that the Word of God is truth. People need truth. In a world that is deceptive. They don't need more of your opinions and mine. They need the truth. The word of God. Also we live in a world, a world that is demanding. And we need the word of grace. I love Acts chapter 20 verse 32. And Paul says about the word of his grace. Which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of God is grace. And while it's challenging and truthful. It is grace. It's lavished with grace. Friends when I read scripture I'm challenged. But I experience this thing of grace when I read God's word. And I think we're going to speak that over people today rather than get on campsites and choosing what matters and just come back to Scripture. We live in a world that is defiled and we need the word of righteousness. We need the word of God to wash people and bring them back to the revelation of Jesus. Hebrews 5 verse 13, 2 Timothy 3, 16, Romans 8 and 24. Just again, I'm throwing a few verses out there just to show you what I'm saying is what the Bible teaches us. 
I also want to say, which is clear right now, is we live in a world that is divisive. And there's no doubt it's out there. And unfortunately, it's even in the church right now. And again, friends, I get it. But can I just say, the world is too strong for a divided church. I'm not saying we shouldn't, we have to agree on all things. But if we come back to Scripture, and what I love about the Word of God is it's reconciliation. It brings the Word of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.19, we have been called to reconcile people back to God. And only when people are reconciled to God can we have reconciliation with each other. So let's bring us back to Scripture and make sure. Psalm 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Verse 8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. And verse 10 says, They are more precious than gold, and much pure, uh, than much pure gold, and they are sweeter than honey, than the honey from the honeycomb. Verse 11, By them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. And so there's such a promise of Scripture and the need. Now, I know, I'm, I know I'm speaking to most people who believe this, but I'm asking, is this what we're pursuing? Because if we don't go after these things and make sure they involve what we're going through and how we're ministering, friends, honestly, I don't believe our ministry is going to matter for much longer. So the challenge for us is read the Word of God, learn the Word of God, live the Word of God, Pray the Word of God and teach the Word of God. And can I just say to us preachers, we are privileged to actually preach to people. And that's part of obviously our mission and that's part of our ministry. But if you want preaching to, to matter, if you want it long lasting, then, then preach for the right reasons. And I, I, I've come down to these four things. I think pre people either preach to impress people. And let me tell you, if you're preaching to impress people, there's no long-lasting fruit. You, you're not having a ministry that matters. Others preach maybe to inform people. We just want to give information. And I want to suggest there's an information overload. Don't use preaching to inform people, although obviously information is helpful. But don't, that, don't be that purpose of your preaching is to inform. Because if it's about information, honestly, friends, there's not going to be a long-lasting ministry involved. That, that ministry doesn't matter. The third thing people do preach for, I think, is to influence people. And I'm watching people take scripture right now and trying to influence people to believe what they believe. That's a dangerous thing. Of course, our preaching should influence people, but be careful what we're influencing the word. If it's opinions or if it's the word of God. But the fourth thing, I think the reason why people preach, and I think this is the most biblical, is that we preach for impartation. We preach to impart into people. And if it's that, then we want to make sure we're preaching the scriptures the way God intended them, the right truth uh, presented through our God intended with the heart they're receiving. The stuff I say is imparting into others. Therefore, I want to say it right. I want to make sure it's reflecting who Jesus is. And I want the heart to be catch Christ in this thing rather than get me and get my heart. And so I hope you understand that we, we've got a mandate under heaven to present the word of God and to lead accordingly and to see it through scripture and to keep going back to the word of God. So keep those things. And can I say, friends, if we are called to die to in the scriptures, if anything or every point, any point in my life or ministry doesn't line up with scripture, scripture is not going to change. I've got to change and change. The word of God brings change to our lives. And I want to also just say that the Word of God, careful to keep things in context. The Word of God wasn't written to us. It was written for us. So don't claim everything written for us, to us. Realize God was writing to certain people, speaking to certain people, Old and New Testament. But it was written for us that we can catch the understanding in the heart. So keep truth in context. 
I think is a big thing for us. But D.L. Moody said the Bible without the Holy Spirit is a sundial by moonlight. So we don't just want the Word of God. We need the Holy Spirit too, which we've talked about in the point before. So we're talking about the tools or the practices. Is Obviously, we said is the Word of God. But secondly, is prayer. And I know you know prayer is important, but not just praying for your people and praying for situations. We need to be engaging God as the church and as leaders. I think churches are better organized today, more prosperous, maybe even better educated than ever before. But I think we're at the same time, the church seems weaker. And the reason I think is because we're not praying enough. And I, I've loved what's happened now is that even in this lockdown and shutdown, the fear that's come has forced the church back on our knees. And that's a good thing. But let's not get off our knees when things are happening again. Let's keep understanding the need to pray friends we, we've got to be praying and certainly if you're in leadership or ministry you've got to be praying prayer is your tool it's that thing that engages God we need to engage God and, and, and it extends his kingdom and it helps us even know how to proceed forward in the things that God has and so spend a lot of time praying it's not our thing it's a God thing we need to connect with God and ask what he wants and ask him about his heart and and I love that we get to do that as all our, somebody said with all our modern advances a little neology would be a lot more good, be, do a lot good, more, more good for the church than theology. I'm not saying get rid of theology, but we're so focused on theology that we forget, get on your knees. Let's get some neology back in leadership. I love this thing of that prayer. Somebody said, prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. And that probably sums up what we just read at the beginning of this, is that we are nothing. God is everything. God calls us, but we are weak He's omnipotent. I'm saying when I pray, I as a weak one, vessel being used of you, need to lead in and lean into this omnipotence of who Jesus and who you are, God. Let's understand the role of God. And that's why I think prayer engages God, enables God's people, and it enlarges and extends His kingdom. I love how prayer helps us partner with God. It internalizes the burden. It deepens our ownership of the burden and our partnership with Him. I love how Prayer helps us in patience. And I mean, I don't like, I'm not patient. I'm learning patience. But prayer is a key to doing that. When I go to God, He gives me this and He helps and He shows me and forces me to wait. And that's why we pray. Prayer gives us perspective. We need God's perspective, friends. If we're going to have ministry to matter and ministry that matters, we need the perspective of God, not earthly wisdom, not what others are doing. Show me God. Give me your perspective so I can gauge in what you want me to and I can build according to how you want me to. So this thing carries on when I'm no longer here you still hear God because you're the one who's involved in everything so perspective friends it helps us position and align our hearts with God's and I think that's why we're going to be praying all the time also as I keep saying it helps us proceed we've never been this way before and let's let me just tell you the, the doors that are opening and the future for us is we've never been this way before but God knows where we're going so if you want this thing to last go to God and make sure that he enables us to move forward all right so prayer and the Word of God are our practices. The next one quickly, and the fourth thing I want to say that measures our ministry, and if we give our attention to this, it's going to help us. I think character. Character is the platform or the foundation for all ministry. I think we overemphasize building our platform at the expense of our character. We're more, more concerned about our influence and what people think about us out there rather than actually dealing with the stuff that matters. Probably more is that stuff that's in our hearts. You know, character determines everything in life. And certainly for our ministries to, to last, we've got to be working on our issues inside our own hearts and make sure we're dealing with it. What you do will flow from who you are. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, what does it say? Above everything else, 
Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And we know the heart is where we desire things. It's where we deliberate. It's where we decide. We make decisions in the heart. I want to say we've got to guard our hearts, friends. That's our call. That's our mandate. That's the platform uh, for ministry. The foundation of a ministry that's going to stay the course and also a ministry that matters. And we see too many fall out of the the race. And I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying it's because perhaps we're not working enough on the things that matter. Our hearts, our issues, our characters. We need to keep working on those things. And so I've said this. It's easier to build character and guard it than to rebuild it after you've lost it. Now, God can rebuild it, but let's guard it rather and not lose our character because it's kind of what we're called to do and we've got to be focused. We love to focus on what everyone else is doing, but watch over yourself too because our hearts and our desires and our character matters. I think there are three faces. I've said this many times to leadership and to ministry. There's this public persona out there where everyone looks at what we're doing online and we're putting stuff out in our big moments, high moments. And we play to that moment. And I would say that's important, but that's not our character. That's the perception of who we are. And we play so much more to that than we do to our own hearts. And just can I suggest, if we're going to have a ministry that matters, get back to what matters more importantly than that stuff, is who we really are, not who we perceive to be. We have this personal world as well. Those who are close to us, who know us, our spouses or our family or close friends, And that's another life that people can see some other things. But then there's this private world, our own world. And I think that's where integrity is real. That's where it's reality. What happens when nobody's watching? Me and God. And again, not to feel bad. Just deal with stuff, friends. And work on that that life, that face, uh, that that reality. Because the others are personas. They're not reality. And I'm not saying they're not important. But they're not what God looks at. What we got to make sure we're dealing with is our own hearts and making sure we're dealing with it. Please work through those things and make sure you're dealing with your character because I think it gives us ministry that matters and it's up to us. And as the Holy Spirit highlights things, deal with them. As He speaks, shows us the greatest revealer of the issues in my heart is God. I don't need to go to others for that. He reveals as I look to Him or even Scripture, the mirror, the Holy Spirit shows me and I don't pray about it, think about it. Just deal with it. Let's keep on handling those things. I know these are obvious, but I, I'm seriously convinced that if we give ourselves to this, we will have ministry that matters again. The next thing is quickly, number five is submission is the protection for all ministry. I don't want to know like, people I like talking about submission, especially leaders, but let me tell you, friends, we have no authority if we don't or we're not under authority. And that obviously starts with us with our revelation of Christ, so sur- surrendered and submitted to Him. But in saying that, we also got to be submitted to others. You can't have authority in the kingdom if, you don't, if you're not under authority. It doesn't work. God's way is you've got to be submitted and surrendered. Obviously, as I said, to Jesus, but to people around us. You know, we don't accomplish great things because we're determined. I think we accomplish great things because we are surrendered to Him and submitted to others. And so we can't, you can't have authority if you're not under authority. And I, and I want to say, you don't have to listen to everybody, of course, in leadership and ministry. Be careful who you're listening to. So you don't have to listen to everybody, but you better be listening to somebody because God hasn't called us to do this alone. And so understand, you don't have authority if you're not under authority. And we've got to come to that place of submission because that's our protection. And that is what we need in ministry if it's going to last. Next point quickly is serving, service. Again, I don't want to stay too long on this, but serving and service is the priority of ministry that matters. You know, many of us, if we're honest, we get into ministry and we are serving. And then the longer we're in it, we begin letting people serve us. That's why we're in ministry today. Something's wrong for us. Jesus showed us the other way, another way, the only way. He came to serve. 
And he did serve. He served people. He served his disciples. And we've just got to come back. If you want ministry to matter, don't be served by others. Let's get back to serving people. The more we serve, the more we represent who Jesus is. We're called to serve, not be served. John 13, go read it. Verse 1 to 17. Again, I encourage you to please read that story again of Jesus showing true servanthood, what it means, washing the disciples' feet. And Jesus is in the shadow of the cross and he teaches this valuable lesson about the heart of a servant. And there he says, I came not to, I came not to be served, but to serve. And he washes his, the disciples' feet. Go, go see it, friends. The four verbs that describe, I love it. He says that he got up, he took off, he wrapped a towel and washed the feet, and then he returned to his place. And that present tense action describes his entire life. He got up from his throne in glory. He took off the robe of deity. He wrapped himself in the flesh of humanity and washed away our sins with his blood. And then he returned to his heavenly throne. He lived that, he showed it, and he did it even for eternity. And so again, friends, if we are serious about having an impact on people's lives and ministry that matters, let's get back to serving them, not being served by them. I think that is so lacking today, and I think it's so biblical to come back to. And I want to live that, and I trust you do too. Next one quickly is that love is the promoter or the motivator for all ministry. If we want ministry to matter, we are motivated by love. Not by duty, not by obligation, not because I can get something from, just the motivation. If we want ministry to matter and to last, it's got to come back to my love for God and my love for people. Um, that's what it is. Jesus was questioned in Matthew 22, you know, what's the greatest command? We all know and we all preach around this. And Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and, all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. And it's kind of become a cliche, but honestly, if we don't love God, we can't love people. If you love God, you will love people. And that's what has to motivate us. It's interesting that the great commandment came before the great commission. In other words, it's linked. Love God, love people. All authority has been given to me. Now go make disciples. So it's based out of love. It's the motivator for it. If ministry has any other motivation for us, we will not have long lasting fruit. And I don't believe we'll have living letters, people's lives changed. Because we've done stuff out of duty rather than true love, loving God and loving people. So I wonder if that's still true for you and I in ministry today. Are our ministries truly motivated for our love for God and our love for people? It's got to be the motivation, friends. If it hasn't, if you've lost it, come back to that so we can be the ministries He's called us to. And they will last and they will matter even when we're no longer here. Number eight, quickly two more. Sacrifice is the proof or producer of all ministry. Sacrifice. We so it's like unfortunately the longer we serve the Lord, the more longer we're in ministry. I see people beginning to say we don't have a price to pay. We're beginning to buy into the convenience and the privilege and, and listen, there are privileges and there is the convenience that comes, I understand the comforts, but we're not in this for what we can get. And I want to say one of the true uh, proofs of or producers of true ministry is the sacrifice. Paying the price, laying down, counting the cost. Keep on, friends. There is a price to pay, and we've been called to pay that price. And Jesus makes no uh, apologies for that. If you want to follow me, he says, lay down your life. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up my will for your life and get on with this thing. It's costly. And, and I just want to say, if we want ministry to matter, keep on sacrificing and laying it down and not taking up your rights, but actually laying it down for the king and for his kingdom. Number nine, growth 
Growth is the privilege of all ministry. I, I think that's the greatest privilege we have in ministry is to see growth. And I'm not just talking numerical, which it includes that, but I'm saying people growing up. What a privilege in ministry. I think that's what Paul was writing when he said these things about living letters. We've seen you become more like Jesus. We've seen you reflect Christ. Our greatest joy, our living letters, not, not, not letters in ink written here, look what I've done, but look around and see people growing up and becoming more like Jesus. As a father, as a parent, my three sons, to see them growing up and becoming the people God wants them to be, becoming more like Jesus. My greatest privilege as a father is to see my sons grow up. My greatest privilege as a leader is to see people around us growing up. To see the fruit of our labor is that they are growing up and they need, need us less. That to me is the success in this. And so friends, again, growth is the privilege of all ministry, not just a numerical and even in Ephesians 4, we see that there's fivefold gifts given by Christ. The five gifts to the church for the church were for ministry, to help equip the saints for works of service, but also to help them grow up. So it's actually those gifts were given to bring maturity. And I think we must see more people growing up to equip the saints for ministry, not just, uh, but also to see them mature, right? So hopefully that excites you. Look at the fruit around us and we want to see people growing up. Maybe it means we've got to change some of the ministry we're involved in to see more people being grown up and, and being released into what God has. And the last point I want to make is this, is the 10th thing, is that the glory of God. The glory of God is the purpose for all ministry. You know, it's a dangerous thing to take the glory that belongs to Him. Isaiah 42 verse 8 shows us that. And so we see when ministry becomes performance and auditorium becomes a theater, Congregation becomes an audience and worship becomes entertainment. And then man's applause and approval becomes the measure of success. We have no lasting fruit and our ministries won't matter if we're looking for the applause of man to cheer us along. We do all that we do for the glory of God. Friends, I, I do believe it's the glory of God that should be the thing that motivates us most. The purpose to anything we give our lives to and any ministry involved in is ultimately that this will bring glory to to you. I, I do, friends. I know that these are not new and I know that, that it's kind of a quick session here on all these truths, but I'm convinced if we seriously give our attention and make sure these are the measures of our ministries, then our ministries will matter in the kingdom for the king and they will continue even when we're no longer about. I think like Paul, we can say living letters, not here I've got recommendation from people and I've got degrees. No, no. There it is, the fruit. And it's this people living in the freedom and being who God's called them to be. And I, I think that is what's on the heart of the Father for us. And I certainly am pursuing these things. And I challenge you to challenge uh, with me to pursue these in our ministries and lives. And let's go for it. Let's build this thing around Jesus. And let's have a ministry that matters. Thanks for watching this. I trust you stay s s strong in the word. And what I've said, if it's in the Bible, go and do it. If not, throw it out. Stay safe, friends. Appreciate you. Take care.